Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are finishing up our series, The Five Practices of a Fruitful Congregation. We talked uh, four weeks ago, we started this, and we talked about radical hospitality, right? Of just loving people with whatever we have available. And sometimes that's just the time on our hands to just stop and say hello or stop and give a phone call. Sometimes that's, um, I've got the makings of food that I can take to somebody and just bless them with a meal. Um, Radical hospitality, it's just being available to be God's hands and feet to other people. The second thing we talked about, second practice, was the passionate worship, that everything we do in life, we should do it with a passionate worship of loving God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then we talked about intentional faith development. We finally have gotten back to watching The Chosen, um, I enjoyed this episode this week. Uh, we're on season one, episode four was what we did. Um, and we talked about uh, when we get through the season, possibly stopping to do the Bible study that goes along with it. So I'm looking forward to that. But intentional faith development, that's Sunday school, that's small groups, that's you creating even your own. Say you've got friends outside the church you want to gather with and do a Bible study, do it, do it as long as you're in the Word and you're learning. And then last week we talked about risk-taking mission and service. Um, And this is simply that we are going out of our comfort zones when God just calls us to love on someone. Um, And that could be as simple as you talked about prayer warriors in your past, that that was a risk-taking service when someone goes out of their way to connect with people to say, I want to pray for you. And I just want to be your prayer warrior and lift you up. So this week, we are talking about extravagant generosity. Now, for years, I have loved teaching on tithing and giving and the generosity that God requires out of us. But I got to tell you, it feels a little different being the pastor teaching on it. Usually, I'm that fill-in pulpit person, right? Like, it's not about me. It's about how we love. So so first of all, you got to hear me. I'm not preaching for a pay raise this morning, okay? I That is not what this is about. I, I know now, used to, pastors would say, oh, I don't like to preach on tithing. I'm like, why? I love talking about tithing and giving. It's biblical. God expects it from us. I love it. But I get it now. Like, it feels a little more awkward when you're the actual pastor, right? And and people are like, oh, here we go. So, in fact, I wanted to be sure. I had Sandy, since we just happened to be having a board meeting. This wasn't extra work on her. I said, hey, make a copy of those financial papers. Now, you didn't get everything, because Sandy gives us a pretty detailed gathering in the board meeting. But you get the basics of all the accounts of our church. And I wanted you to see, church family, we are doing well. And we always have. I am so, if I have to sing a praise, I am so thankful over the last two years that finances has not been the issue we have had to deal with through all of this COVID mess. And I say that wholeheartedly because I have seen so many of our churches all over that have really struggled 
I mean, really, really struggled. Maybe, maybe it was because they, there was issues before COVID hit, but then COVID, it almost decimated some congregations. You know, it, it's been rough. And I, I am so thankful for every one of you that throughout the last two years, you have continued to give faithfully. Like you have hunted me down. If you couldn't be in this room or in this building, how do I get the check to the church? How do I pay? You know, uh, some of you stepped way out of your comfort zone, went online and figured out tithely to pay through electronically, you know. So I am so, so thankful. But, you know, the reality of preaching about giving is simply that when the pastor or the speaker steps up, I feel like there's an immediate response from everyone. And Jason, can you cue that video for us, the first video? I feel like this is what runs through everybody's head when I say I'm preaching on giving today. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How, how, much, money, how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> So as soon as I talk about money, I know, and I know if y'all saw this, many of you maybe saw that on Facebook. It, it was all over TikTok in 2020. And it was the it, it is a staple saying in our house now. When anything comes up money-wise, we go, Jaden's broke, you know. Every time my kids need money, Jaden's broke, right? Um, so so I want you to set that aside this morning. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter. Four. Oh, I put this as a reminder. I gave you all a little, um, okay, first of all, when I've had these for several, like since the beginning of Walmart putting out Valentines, I saw these um, cute little Baby Yoda Valentines, and I just bought a bunch just because they were Baby Yoda. I thought, I'll figure it out later. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Um, but what I decided, and especially after the week I've had, with these cute little magnets, could you do me a favor and stick this somewhere on your refrigerator, um, Jackson on your daddy's tractor, whatever, you, wherever you need to put this, and just pray for me and Thomas when you see it. Just just cover us in prayer. Um, some weeks are harder than others. This has been one of those weeks. Some of it funny, some of it not funny. Um, but that was my thought as I was signing all of these yesterday that, um, when you see that, wherever, maybe you want to put it on your refrigerator to hold your uh, prayer list out of the bulletin, you know, just remember Thomas and I in a prayer when you see that. Um, be our prayer warriors. Um, it has been a crazy week. Um, if you saw anything on uh, Facebook, it started with me locking myself out of my house Monday. And by the way, my husband was awesome. He came immediately to rescue me. I just waited a while to call him because I was fine. It was good weather, and I sat outside. I just got caught by the REA guy doing a TikTok, and that was a little, you know, could have been embarrassing or whatever. Um, and then Tuesday, because of that, though, I went to get in my car, and my car was dead. The battery was dead, so I wound up having to drive Thomas's truck out. Um, and that's fun. I know how to drive a standard. It's just not my go-to anymore, right? So um, that was interesting because I wanted to make sure to be here for our Bible study. So Wednesday, Thomas says, okay, you're charged. You're, you're, I, I'm staying home. Like, 
I said, Brittany's coming in, so I'm staying home today, and I'll work from here. And thought we made it through, folks. And when it got dark, our dogs went to barking. And so Thomas, he was like, I'm going to go see if they got a possum out there or something. He comes back in for ammo and gun. He says, there's a coyote out there. Oh, so me and Brittany's throwing on shoes. We're like, we're not going to make it in time to see all the fun, but we want to see if we can see, right? We go to the back window, and Thomas is like, I don't know. I don't know what is wrong with my husband. He can't keep that flashlight still for anything. And when he finally spotlights, there's two coyotes out there. And he's still, you know, he, he shoots, he got one, blah, blah, blah. But come to find out, because I was like, I finally stepped out. Do I need to hold the light for you? He said, baby, there was at least five coats out here. What is that, people? I told my family, I said, y'all have not seen this movie. I have. We need silver bullets, because the, the dogs start barking again, and we go out back of our house, and they're still at the back of the house in two groups, just yelping at each other. Messed with our brain in 25 years, that's not ever happened for them to be in my yard in a pack like that. And then he heard somebody killed three in their front yard the very next morning. So I don't know what was up Wednesday night, but it was not good, you know. So Wednesday night, I said, I am done with this week. Like, call it Friday because I'm done with this week, right? So when you see that magnet, I want you to pray for us because you just never know what the enemy is trying to throw at us, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, and this is, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. It's about giving, um, and he says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be what? Generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians about their giving. He's pleased with their generosity. Um, They were already giving, right, before even being asked. That's why he's, he's, he's really trying to give them an attaboy, that you're doing well. And he even talks about how they influenced others. Because of their giving, the Macedonians were looking at this, and they was like, well, they're giving. We need to do that, too. We need to be generous and, and give Two. So their generosity was blessing others, which led them to praise God, is what he was talking about. Now, even, even as pastor, even though I said, as I was preparing this, I understood why pastors felt a little uncomfortable, um, because you think, oh, she just wants our money. No, I really, I love to teach on tithing, right? I, I, I could break it down. We could talk this morning. We're not going to, but we could talk about the history of it from the Old Testament. We could talk about the, the 10% that, that is considered a tithe. We could talk about in Malachi chapter 3 when God says that we cheat him. We cheat God, not Church of the Nazarene, not Wicks Church. Of the, we cheat God when we don't give the tithes and offerings. And God even says, put me to the test. Test me on this, that I'll take care of you, in other words. Now, that doesn't mean we always get everything we want. This is not a slot machine. I put in a 10, I get out a 100, okay? Mm -mm. But my God has never let me down. He's always taken care of me. 
Now, there's a push right now for pastors to not preach on tithes, right? That, that it's Old Testament, it's legalistic. And, and especially if we, if I start trying to talk to you about this 10% thing, right? But see, I have a problem with that theory that it's Old Testament, it's not needed, because there are some things in the Bible I can go to the red words. That's Jesus talking. And I'm hearing straight what the, the heart of God is. And so when I go to Matthew 23 or Luke 12, I can see Jesus blasting the Pharisees. And what he was getting on to them about was that they were tithing down to the last penny. Like you are so careful, Pharisees, to tithe exactly. But the problem is you're forgetting to love God and love people. But Jesus goes on to say, because see, people like that, that they're like, oh, God's heart is all about loving God. It's not about the money. But Jesus goes on to say, you got to keep reading this. Because he says, you should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So Jesus is okay with tithing. So when I preach about it, that's why I feel okay that I can preach it, because Jesus said it, Okay. So how has someone else's, I want you to think about this, and and those bulletins you got, I made sure that, Sue, we don't put things on the back so that you can take notes if you want to. I want you to think, how has someone else's generosity touched you and shaped your practices for giving? Okay? And and maybe there's a certain person's name or a a certain moment you you are thinking about. You can just jot that down. Kids, I think we need to teach adults how to, like, draw out the sermon and listen, right? Like, y'all do such a great, great job of this. I I love my, my pictures. I love having you guys in here with us because this is your church, too. And by the way, kids, I know y'all are thinking she's talking about money and this isn't about us today. It is, even at your age, I bet that you get money for working and doing little jobs and things. My kids, I used to drive them crazy because if they got $1, I would give it to them in dimes so they could tithe. And Alex is like, are you serious, Mom? Do you want me to put a dime in the offer? I said, yes, I do. Because I said, if you don't start with the dime, it's going to get harder and harder the bigger that amount gets if you don't already have the muscle memory of it in place. Now, I said there's this push against preaching the tithe. And instead, it's not that they don't want you talking about it. They just say, you know, we need to get rid of that whole thought of tithe. And it's all about being cheerful and generous givers, because that's what the the New Testament is about. And I guess after 10%, it doesn't get cheerful anymore. I don't know how that works, right? (laughs) But you see the real problem. When we talk about our money... It begins to expose our habits and our priorities in our life. That's why people don't like to talk about it. That's why, that's why y'all are like, oh, let's just make it through this and go get some good soup this morning, right? The book that I've been preaching out of, using as, as the roadmap for this, they gave an example of this, this couple in the church, and they were kind of a new couple... They grew up in the church. They kind of left the church for a while as young adults, and then they come back, okay? And so they came back to the church. They began to attend Bible study, intentional faith development, you know, learning God's Word. And eventually, the pastor asked them to do a devotional about giving. He had a giving Sunday, and he wanted 
some perspectives from people, you know, sitting in the pews. So they felt pretty good about it. They was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. Because they thought at our, you know, age, we know compared to others our age, we probably give pretty good. Like, we just know, you know, our giving is okay. They were a little shocked as they began to really examine their money management because they realized that they were only giving 2% of their income. And they knew from Bible study, they understood, well, it wasn't really what God intended, maybe, you know? And so this began to just bother them, and, and they began to study more, okay? And, and that's what I encourage you. Like, whatever you hear me say today, don't take me as the gospel. Go check it out. Go dig into Scripture and find out for yourself. Because, you know, when I met Thomas, like, from the very get-go of our marriage, he was like, we tithe. Like, always give 10%. And I just wrote the check out, like, okay, whatever, right? But it took several years before I looked at scriptures myself and I really got the heart of it. Like, it wasn't just another bill you pay. I got the real heart of it, that from cover to cover, you can see God's heart on giving to the church. So this couple, they began to dive into the scriptures, they began to figure it out, and they really came to the reality that, 10% really is the goal, but they also came to the reality there was absolutely no way they could do 10% of giving. I mean, they had bills. They had things they had to take care of already, already had that money stretched to where at the end of the week, there wasn't anything left. That's when they also began to realize, and especially I think this may be more American style, that we tend to give out of our abundance rather than our poverty. What does that mean? Luke chapter 21. There's this two little paragraph thing here. 21 verse 1. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. So I wanted to give you an example and kind of you know, because of what I said earlier, Jaden's broke, you know, we're gonna use monopoly money. Actually, I told Thomas, I said, the ATM wouldn't give me the bills I needed to do this. So if, if I have... If I have this wad of 20s, so I've got, should be $200. What's 10% of $200? 20. So if I'm going to tithe my 20, my 10%, I'm going to drop a 20 in the plate, okay? Out of, out of all this, okay? Well, yeah, I don't have this anyway. That's why we're doing monopoly money. I, I didn't have that many 20s to poke in my pocket this morning anyway. But somebody else drops a 10. Do you think it, 
is easier or harder to drop that 10 if that's all you have versus a 20 out of the what? Which do you think is a, a harder drop in that basket? The 10 sometimes. If you know that's, that's the last of the cash, you know, and I've, I've been in that before, like when we go to district, and I try to like always have some money that's intended to be given, and sometimes God will nudge me and be like, drop, drop all that cash in there. Um, Lord, this is day two of district. We got one more day. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to eat. Like, what do we, what do you mean drop? Because that, that would really, like, I know, God, I keep a little extra stash for emergency. And he's like, and you'll eat fine on that. You won't get the steak tonight. You'll get the chicken tenders. Drop the whole cash. And see, that's what Jesus was saying. Like, he watched all the rich people come in and drop. And that woman came in and... The last of the last is what she had. And sometimes that's hard for us to imagine. I mean, let's, let's be real honest in here. I know some of you can tell me there's been moments, but sometimes we forget that some of us, we're on real budgets. We're on real budgets. And, and you're sitting there going, yeah, BJ, I am. And, and, like, that's why I don't like you talking about giving today because, like, my budget is already jade and broke. Like, I got a dollar, a quarter, and two pennies. And I don't know how to eke out anything else today. But see, Jesus said that they were giving out just a tiny part of their surplus, whereas this woman dropped in two coins, like the smallest coins they had in that day was all she had left and she gave everything the couple decided that they did want to increase their giving so so they decided okay 10% is our goal we're only paying 2% but there's no way we can jump from that 2 to the 10 so they began to devise plans of how to increase the giving over time this takes sacrifice because it meant changing their entertainment habits. It means changing how they eat out. You know, I'm, I'm constantly having conversations, and I know he's not watching, so I can talk about him. Alex, we're, we're all the time having money conversations. And, and he's like, but mom, I got to eat. I was like, yeah, but can you pick the $6 meal at McDonald's instead of the $12 meal? Like, let's learn to budget that a little bit, right? And so this couple decided that over time, and it took several years for them to up to that 10%. You know, we talk about putting God first in our life. The problem is when we do talk about money, we might expose that maybe we're not. That, you know, we, we, we easily... You know, a couple weeks ago, love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. And y'all were like, amen. I didn't get on to him last week, Thomas. You, you forgot to remind me, so I'm going to get on to you. I'm not hearing amens. Thomas commented over the three weeks we're online that y'all were amen crazy people. Like, y'all were filling those comments up. Like, hearts are flying everywhere. And he said, I don't even know who these people are because they don't say that during the service. He said, I'm going to have to give them paddle signs or something. He said, if Bo could rig up a button so they could hit it and a heart fly up behind you, BJ. He said something because he said, online, they're excited. 
So where's those amens today? Yeah, okay, just say. All right. We talk about putting God first. But unfortunately, sometimes when we truly look at our practices, I think we give God a thought as we make our decisions, but he's, he's a decision, like a part of our life, instead of him being the central reason for all of our decisions. And I hate to meddle this morning because I know y'all like, get out of my pocket, get, just stop. But see, our concept of even how we spend, because the couple decided that they needed to even change their borrowing and credit habits. Why? Because they realized every dollar they got, God had gifted it to them. It was his. He had blessed them. I mean, how many times have you actually probably come to this altar, Lord, you know, I need a blessing. I need something to open up, Lord. I need, I need something to change in the job. I need, I need a pay increase. And God gave it to you. It's his. It's his blessing. And they realized that how they spent that money, whether it was all self-absorbed or am I giving some out, how generous am I? You know, people who give generously do so because they genuinely desire to make a positive difference for the purpose of Christ. And I know, I'm looking at some very generous people. I'm looking at some of you that have blessed my life over the last 20-something years. And I know that it's because you love Christ that you're loving on others. How people use what they have matters to God. Don't ever think it doesn't. In fact, I can look at story after story. Jesus, he chastises the Pharisees for legalistically tithing, but forgetting how to treat others. Why? Because loving people is important. Zacchaeus, yes, he was a wee little man. But he was also a very rich little man. His love for Jesus, though, radically changed his life. And he went back and paid back money, and in some cases with interest, to those he had cheated over the years. Why? Because loving people is important. The Good Samaritan, when we read through that story, we see him use his money. He takes the, the hurt stranger, remember, into this little inn, and he says, here, take care of this man. I've got to keep going on the road and do my business. Here's some money. When I come back, if I owe you more, I'm going to pay you more. Generosity to the kilt for a stranger. Why? Because loving people is important. Remember in the book of Acts, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, looked at that and they would sell what they had to help other people. Why? Because loving people is important. So how we use our money is important to God. It's a tool. It's a tool he's given us, yes, for our own benefit to provide what we need, but also to be an outflow to others around us. John Wesley had a saying that he would teach, and he said, gain all you can, save all you can, 
and give all you can. Now, to, to know John Wesley's story, he grew up in a, a pretty large family, so he grew up in utter poverty, and he always said he wanted to live a life different than what he grew up in. He didn't want to struggle in poverty like his family did. Later, when he went on to teach at Oxford, and so he's a single man, and, and he made you know, a pretty decent amount of money just for a single man. It was like uh, 30 pounds, I think, is what he started out with. 30 pounds, and it, nowadays it's like $1.36 per pound, whatever. I, I couldn't do all the math. I tried, I looked, and when you back up into the 1600s and all that, it gets crazy. So just go with it, people, all right? 30 pounds. We're, we're English today. But he, he had this problem. He was just a single man, no family, nothing to, to spend that money on. And, and so story says that he spent a little bit of that money on card games, tobacco, and brandy. Now, not a, an oversplurgence, he thought. And then he had this encounter happen to him. He went back to his room one day, and he was kind of tickled. He had bought some posters, some printed art to put up in his room, and he was so tickled about that. And one of the chambermaids had knocked on his door, and he, he took notice that she was in a very thin outfit, and, and the weather was bitterly cold, and, and that's how she was dressed. So he wanted to bless her by giving her money to buy a proper coat she could stay warm in. But he reached in his pocket, and he realized he didn't have enough to give her. And immediately God began to check him because he knew he had just bought this art for his wall. And he began to think how he spent his money, it says. And at some point later, Wesley decided that he needed to change how he would spend his money. He, from that moment on, things began to check in his spirit that I'm not sure God would be pleased with every penny I've spent. And so he began to sit down and, and figure out the budget, and out of that 30 pounds, he decided, I can live on 28 pounds, and I can give away 2 pounds. But here's the thing about what Wesley did with that thought. Over the years, as his pay increased, in fact, the next year it doubled to 60 pounds. Do you know what he did? He still lived off 28 pounds and gave the rest away. And he continued that throughout his life, whether it was 60 pounds, 90 pounds, 120 pounds, even up to 1,400 pounds a year, he never exceeded over 30 pounds to live off of. And he gave the rest away. You're like, whoa, that just got off the boards, right? I got you. But here's the deal. The practice of generosity, it describes the Christian's unselfish willingness to give in order to make a positive difference for the purpose of Christ. That's generosity. I think we're all good at that. Extravagant generosity describes practices of sharing and giving that exceed all expectations and extend to unexpected measures. Like we began to give in a way that isn't our normal. A long time ago, we, we used to just take up, and, and we've kind of reverted back. I'd like to get back into a faith promise atmosphere because here's the deal. Easter and Thanksgiving, I take up an offering, and we are all we give good. We always have these great gifts to give. But here's my personal story. I never dropped more than $40 in that 
that pan on Easter and Thanksgiving. Why? Because that's probably what I had. And it might have been extravagant for that week, okay? I, I, I couldn't tell you that. But then we were introduced to this thing called faith promise for missions, right? Where we, we could pledge to give. And then all of a sudden, I was pledging. Thomas and I, you know, I don't know what we started out at. Maybe it was $10 a week. I don't know. I don't remember what we started. But it increased through the years. Do you see how that multiplied then? From $40 twice a year to 10 upwards to $20, $30 per paycheck for, you know, bi-weekly. Extravagant generosity means I'm going to refocus how I look at my money management. Not to check off the box. I, I don't want you to get stuck on the 10%. Is that tithes? But yeah, in Malachi... God says tithes and offerings. So faith promise, that's not tithes. Tithes goes into, ah, that's a whole other sermon. I could break it down for you guys. Tithes is what makes it easy for my board when we come together and say, Sandy, how are we doing? How's the finances? We're good. It's all getting paid. That's because tithes, general giving, has come in, right? And then sometimes we get offerings that make things like local compassionate ministries happen, Right? But it's all because somebody got extravagant with their generosity and said, I want to bless you. As Americans, we live in a culture that feeds the appetite. We want more. We want bigger things. But that pulls from us, doesn't it? Millions of couples, right? There's a strain on their marriage that that destroys their happiness and, and they suffer with conflict and anxiety. Why? Over finances. You know, in my marriage counseling, we, we talk hard about finances because that is a real thing. It seems not so important when you're a newlywed and, oh, we just love each other. And right now we got enough money. And I'm like, yeah, but wait till the kids happen and wait till the real mortgage hits. And, and then you want to have insurance. You know, I was trying to talk to Alex about adulting the other day, you know, and I was, about jobs. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm hoping you get to find a good job that has good benefits. And he said, benefits? I was like, baby, you got to pay your own insurance. Like, you, you're fixing to be in the real world. Ask your sister what adulting is, right? She was asking about taxes, doing taxes the other day. And I was like, well, yours is a little crazy. You're Arkansas and Oklahoma. So, whoo, that gets nuts. We've done that before. So it's important when we start learning these things. Extravagant generosity changes the life and the spirit of the giver, though. When you begin to understand, when you dive into the scriptures and you find out that, that God has some thoughts about how we spend our money, and we, we practice the tithe and we practice the offering, and, and we teach our kids how to do it and our grandkids, always be open. Let them see you give. Don't, don't hide it. I, you know, I don't want to crinkle money. I can't crinkle gain money. I need... I need paper. I don't like those people that you pass the offering plate and it's like this, you know. And then us back there counting, you're trying to stretch it and roll it out, right? See, that's not cheerful giving right there. That's like, oh, i got to give it. God wants you to be cheerful about it. How do you do that? You trust. You trust the one that gave it to you to begin with. 
And therefore, I trust the voice when he says, give more or give differently. Okay, God. I don't know what that looks like, but we'll figure it out. Right? Our focus is truly put on God first. When we begin to whatever, maybe it's 1% for you is all you can do right now. Maybe it's $5 a month is all you can start with. But we begin to put God first. My tides are never last. They're late, Sandy, always late. But they're never last. It's always the first thing I do. And again, it's because that's just sort of how Thomas instructed when we got married. We always pay our tides. And we always have. Even on those weeks as I'm sitting there figuring it going, huh, that would have paid a bill. That would have really went a long way. (laughs) I've been just as tempted as the rest of you. Like, well, God, can I just borrow it this week? You know? And then he checks my spirit. I got you. This is a trust thing. What is it Gerald says? Give for a rainy day? Not save for a rainy day. Give for a rainy day. The closer we draw to God the more we want to love people. And extravagant generosity, not only does it change the giver, it changes the faith community we live in. You know, I'll never forget, um, and I don't know if anybody else remembers this. This was 18, 18, 19 years ago when we, because we were building our house. So we had come out. I had come out by myself. We had a missionary speaker. She was from Africa. That's all I can remember. She was from Africa. Um, she might have worked at the college at A&U, but she um, also helped pastor a church. And she said, I- I'll never forget. And she was in one of the poor churches, you know, and of course over there, a lot of times they're tides. It may be, here's part of my eggs. Here's, see, I love Jerry Watkins tithing because that means I get vegetables every summer. Right, And that's extravagant generosity because he plants extra knowing that he's going to give it away to the community, right? But this, this lady, this missionary shared with us about the first time God kind of nudged her to, to preach about tithing. And there were some people like, eh, I don't know if that, you know, people are really giving all they can. Like they, they give till it hurts already. Like let's not put this concept of tithing on them. And she said, look, you know, God has asked me to preach this, I'm going to preach it. And then it's just going to fall where it lands. And she said, let me tell you, before this message, she said, my board meetings were stressful because we went in there and we looked at finances and we shifted things around. Okay, what can we pay this month and what can we not pay? She said, I preached this message. And she said, I expected it to change some people. But she said, change the entire church. And all of a sudden, they were tithing. And she said, all of a sudden, our board meetings totally changed. Because now we were coming together as a board going, we got so much money, we don't know what to do with this. Like, what can we do? How can we love on people with what's left over in this church? That's extravagant generosity. Now, I know that I'm talking to some of you guys that maybe, um, maybe you, you've been tithing. This is not new, new stuff for you. Well, maybe let God nudge you, though, into something else, a different offering. 
Some of you, you don't tithe, and I'm not, I'm not here to guilt you into tithing. But I'm here to ask you to let God just speak into your hearts. Because Paul said to the Corinthians, because of your generosity, it has affected other people. And so, so maybe today you're saying, I can't do 10%, BJ. Maybe today it's simply, I'm going to throw five extra dollars a month in there until I can get where I can get that. That's between you and God. I asked you at the beginning uh, to think about someone whose generosity touched you, shaped you uh, in, in your practices. Here's some more questions I want you to think about. Whom did you learn generosity from? Like, who really taught you the generosity? I'm just going to call out, and I don't want to embarrass them, but Diane and Gerald have been a big part in my early Christian walk of, of what generosity looked like. Because you and I know we've watched them bless people throughout their lives when they're able to. <laughs> because they've always lived off of giving for a rainy day. And I know some of the behind the scenes to know that wasn't always easy for them. And they've, they've went through those dry spells. But it taught me a trust that I never knew about. Who's that for you? Who continues to influence you towards a greater generosity today? You know? And, and what's the most fun that you've ever had? giving away money. Some of you are looking at me like, well, it wasn't real fun because the IRS took it all. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, when, when, when you're doing, when you're just listening for God's voice in giving, and I'm not just talking about giving to the church. So I'm telling you, I'm not up here trying to get a pay raise and, and Sandy handed you out the thing. We're not asking for your money here. I'm asking you to be generous in whatever God calls you. And sometimes that's at the benefits that our community does. Where we just extravagantly love on somebody, whether we know them or not. Whether we, you know, we go buy that meal and we probably could have bought 10 meals on what we left in the pot. But that's okay. Because somebody needed it and I feel like it would come back to me if I needed it. Because that's how this community works. Extravagant generosity. Paul said we can... Always be generous. Always. And because of that extravagant generosity of the Corinthians, the Macedonians changed how they gave. Fruitful congregations will always practice these five things. Radical hospitality, which I think kind of circles around with extravagant generosity sometimes. Passionate worship. Intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, and then today's extravagant generosity. I hope you see that each of those five things, they really interlock together. Because today's message may have offended somebody. It may have made no sense to somebody today. Why? Because you need some intentional development to get into God's Word to understand why I am so passionate and why I can stand here as a pastor and say, it's okay for me to preach this. 
Because this is not what I created. This is not what our board created. This is not what the general church of the Nazarene created. In fact, a lot of times we ask, somebody will say, well, why do we got to pay budgets? Because we work off a tithe system as well from this church to give to the general church. And and, and you're like, well, that's just too much money. I, I, I hear pastors sometimes fussing about that. And I'm just like, we have a system with our missionaries where we pay them to do what they are called to do. Not every church has that. Not every denomination. Most denominations, they have to raise those funds themselves. But if you are an actual assigned missionary from the Church of the Nazarene, we pay for that. Some of the extra things we do within NMI pays for their health care because they don't have health care like so many of us are blessed to have. So there's, there's a rhyme and there's a reason to it all. But most importantly, what does God think about it? And see, God taught me a long time ago not to cheat him and to put him to the test. It's the one time God tells us, put me to the test. See if what I'm telling you isn't true. And I'm here to tell you my God has never failed me yet. Had some pretty tight days and maybe some ramen noodles, but my God has never failed me yet. And I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm not, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not, I'm not saying God is fixing to give you a three-story house, two boats, and an RV to go because you paid your tithes. I don't believe in that kind of prosperity gospel. But I believe my God will take care of me. And I believe when he asks me to give, to love somebody else, he's got me covered, whatever that looks like. Stand with me this morning, church. And I'm going to go ahead and bless the food, and, and that way, once everything's opened up, you guys can eat. You don't have to wait on me to say a second blessing back there. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I know sometimes this is a hard message. Lord, I, I, I love this message. Because you are a giving Father. The most known verse in the Bible is, For God so loved the world, he gave. His only son. God, you gave all you had so that I could be forgiven and be with you and redeemed back to you. So, Father, when it comes to money, that's something I can't take with me when I go. It's all yours. And it's a tool. God, may we, may we begin to change how we think about our habits and priorities that, Father, may you be the center of all of our worship. And, Father, if, if right now we separate you from the money, you tell us we can't serve both. So I pray for somebody today as they're, they're receiving this message and it's, it's stirring some things. And, God, I'm not asking for people to, to take extraordinary um, links to get to that 10% unless that's what you call them to. That's between you and them. But God, I, I pray they begin to hear your heart of generosity. That God, uh, through giving here in the local church, we bless others with that. It gets extended into other ministries and purposes. But Father, I pray as we leave this church today, may our hearts continue to be nudged with this message 
And if we see a need that we can help, and we hear you call in our hearts, then may we just simply say, yes, Lord. I'll give, Lord. And I'll trust you with what that means for me. Father, more than anything, I want to see us become a fruitful congregation. That, God, we are so in tune with you that when we're in our community, that it just amazes people how loving we are how gracious, how merciful, that we, that we see people that others don't see. And may our hearts always be attuned to be your hands and feet. God, may, may our, our desire to learn your word more, may it become such a flame inside of each and every one of us that we hunger for your word daily. It's not enough, Lord, to just show up on a Sunday. We want more throughout the week. And may we begin to seek that out and spend time in your word because of that hunger. And I believe, Lord, that in all of these practices, it will change this church. That, God, it will change who we are as a body of believers. And it begins to change a community around us. Lord, I I pray a blessing over your church today. Because I do know that I am looking at some of the most generous people that have given in this community. They've given, the Lord, to me. They've given to each other. And so, Father, I, I pray that you will continue to bless their lives, to hear their prayers. And God, may those seeds that have been planted begin to sprout. And God, may we be changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's go have a blessed meal together and let's be a blessing to others and board members. I'll see you after we get very full and ready to take a nap. And yeah, we'll have a quick meeting afterwards. Have a blessed Sunday. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.